everyone, welcome to The Voice of Social Sales. I'm your host, Chelsea Pites. Today is an interview pre-recorded with Skylar Irvine, who is a content marketing genius and professional working in the Phoenix area. Really excited for you to hear this. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing. If you have subscribed, thank you for coming back. And don't forget to connect with me over on Instagram, where you can send me a DM and say, hey, I heard that you're offering a free Instagram bio audit on your podcast, and I will send it over to you. So let's get into the show. All right, Skylar, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. For those uh, who are listening that maybe don't know who you are yet, which I blows my mind because you are everywhere. Tell us who you are, a little bit about you, and all the amazing pieces of content, the channels that you have, the podcasts that they can go listen to. Tell us who you are. Chelsea, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me. I'm a big fan of yours. Um, I long time. I don't think anyone hustles harder and works more consistently than you do. So um, just wanted to get started on that. Um, you're far too kind. I, um, my name is Skylar Irvine. Like you said, I have a company called Renzler Media and creative agency and digital studio. Soccer's uh, build their brands online and we help you capitalize on the digital and social trends so you can kind of focus on your business, which is what a lot of business people would prefer to do rather than worry about the headache of social media for most people. Um, I've been podcasting for a while. I've had you on the podcast. I've known you in the real estate world, which is where I came from. I left the real estate world maybe four or five years ago. Uh, my wife is still dominating in that space and um, I've been focusing on marketing and specifically content marketing um, for about a decade and it's my passion because I I'm a weirdo who really loves this stuff mostly because I like the puzzle aspect of it I like to take a like where are the opportunities where's the white space where is where can you be a big fish in a small pond and I think that's where marketing is one for a lot of people uh, especially coming from a real estate background in Phoenix and Arizona it's a very competitive space so how do you find your niche? How do you separate yourself in a competitive area, especially something like the realtor, which can be commodity in a lot of instances. So um, for most realtors, like they try to specialize in certain, but really it always comes down to who people want to work with and think of and who wants to spend time in the car with you for six hours on a Sunday. And usually that has nothing to do with it. And once you can get people to understand that uh, what makes them different and what makes special is what will most of their business need. And um, to me, that's just always been something I've really enjoyed. And the best way in my mind to capitalize on the scarce amount of resources we have, which is usually time and money, is to not try to compete with the upper space that they're good at, but instead go into a new space and, and be the leader in that category, whether it's um, being the first to TikTok and uh, being a podcast host or finding something that plays more to your strengths and you feel more comfortable with. Um, so that kind of the best way to kind of give a general outline of my philosophies. I love that. So one of the things we started talking about before we hit record was something that I, I think we're both pretty passionate about. And it's just making people relax about content and social media because I see so many times people are like, well, what about a content calendar and batching content? And what do I say? And don't I need this? And do I need a green screen? And so I want to kind of talk about your philosophy about how we can sort of stop this anxiety, this overwhelm that is happening all around us right now when it comes to social media. So what are your you know, top tips when you're, when you're working with clients about this? The great thing, because like the timing of this right now is 
like I've spent two years and reinvesting a lot of our company dollars into building out an awesome content that allows you to do videos and podcasting all in one spot. And now we live in a world where everyone was on a webcam and everything and the, and the playing field's been lowered and people would look at it thinking like, Oh, what, a, what, a what a movie for me I actually love this because this has lowered the field and this is kind of created the, like there's less fear right now to put out content than there ever has been. Cause there's no perfect yet. Or I need a new camp, like a scarce amount of resources, time, money, and energy, where do you want to put it? And it's always easiest to put it in the places that you don't have to put a lot of work into. And if, if someone promises you like, Hey, we'll automate this. It's only going to cost X amount of dollars a month. That's an easier thing to say yes to rather than um, make a video every single day and post it yourself and engage with every single comment. So more people are like to say yes to that. And then when something like this happens, and we all get sent home and um, there's a high unemployment and the market's going to change forever. The first thing that most businesses do is cut all their marketing costs and cut all expenses because they don't know what's going to happen. And for the ones that lived off of cost per click campaigns and a lot of advertising, all of a sudden they don't exist virtually anymore. Or if they were sending out postcards because it was easier to send out a postcard um, rather than sending out like content or hosting a podcast, well, all of a sudden, once you stop doing that, it, it, it's like it didn't exist one month later. Um, the ones that are putting out content as far as like a YouTube channel and a podcast, that content still exists, whether or not you're, you're promoting it or whether or not you're still producing it. And those are the ones that kind of have the leg up long-term. So then when we come out of this and everyone wants to now go and do a lot of the content, they're behind the people that have been doing it for a long time. So um, I, I really believe that getting over the fear of having it be perfect because it's never going to be perfect. No matter how much work you put into the first one, your 100th one's going to be so much better anyway. So hurry up and do that first one and start getting yeah. better. And what, and getting better can be a lot of different things like you can learn the YouTube algorithm as you go you don't have to know every single thing about it because um, there's a lot of there's a lot of habits to build just filming yourself is awkward and weird um, so getting used to doing that even if your YouTube channel never succeeds is a good skill to acquire so now when you're ready to go to TikTok, even if your YouTube channel didn't do well whatever you learn by filming yourself is now gonna play really well for you on the next thing, whether it's TikTok or another platform altogether. So you talked about, so there's two things that you mentioned that I want to get into. So <clears throat> one of them's automation and one of them is quote unquote new space. Okay. So I think people hear that and they think, yeah, but how do I know? Like, where can I get in where the white space and the new space is? So how, how do you determine where sort of the next maybe thing that we should be going into is? I worry less about the next thing. It, it's like, like it's, it's pretty systematized for me. Mm -hmm. What's your North Star? What are you, where are you moving towards? What's your goal? What do you need to accomplish? So if you're in sales, what are you selling? Who's your target? Who's your target? Like who do you need to get in front of? And then where are those people spending their time? If they're 13 year old girls, then yeah, TikTok makes a lot of sense. But if you're selling Porsches to 65-year-old men in San Diego, well, then you probably don't need to be on TikTok for another five years. Like, and it's that simple. So once you kind of determine what you need to accomplish, work backwards. Okay, what are you trying to achieve? Okay, who do you need to reach to in order to achieve that? Okay, great. Where do those people spend most of their time? Okay, now it's how can you provide them with valuable content consistently? 
And that kind of gives you way more of a head start and kind of clears a lot of confusion of, well, I should just post my YouTube video on all these platforms. It will end up making you post less on YouTube. But if you can figure out the exact place you need to be, it's much better to just spend all your time in one spot and really figure it out. And that starts with knowing which spot you should be spending your time on. And then the other side, as far as like determining your white space is I think you have like your natural opportunity and then your market opportunity and your natural opportunity would be like a superpower. Like if you're just such an extrovert and you love talking with people, well then like hosting a podcast probably makes a lot of sense because if you are hosting a podcast and your competition is also, but you love it and you're naturally gifted at it, yours will probably do better. Um, But if you don't love those things, then maybe doing a podcast just because there's an opportunity doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, And that's where it kind of comes into your natural abilities. If you're a great writer, you can lean into that. If you're great on camera, you can lean into that. you're great creative and designer, you can lean into that. And what's really nice about social media is there is something for every creative outlet. And once you can basically own your niche, find your opportunity, find your superpower and find a place that you can succeed on it, it gets really easy to start scaling that into other social media platforms. If you've done like a hundred videos on YouTube, for example, it's really easy to say, hey, these 10 videos did the best last year. Maybe I should pay someone to turn them into blog posts. And then all of a sudden you've got like really good blog content and you know exactly what to do and you've cut some of these corners of having to do everything at once. And um, that's kind of like a very small minuscule example, but it's kind of um, how I look at a lot of these things is the more you do, the easier it gets. And finding your white space really starts with what are you trying to achieve? And then is there something that you love doing so it's easy for you? And if that's not the case, then it's okay, well, where's the best market opportunity right now? And go go all in on that one. I really appreciate that. I, I wrote down love doing versus market opportunity because I was just telling people like, if you don't love this platform, fine, don't do it, right? Do something that you really love because it's gonna make it feel more enjoyable for you. So I love that. A a lot of it's like, what if I do this and then it's not, it doesn't work. Like, what if I go all in on this and then it's like MySpace and disappears. And it's like, listen, like if you're, yeah, like if you're all in on Snapchat and Snapchat goes away, everything you learn on Snapchat is still like Instagram and TikTok. So the skill sets you've developed are super valuable. and you can pivot that into another platform pretty easily absolutely so what is your favorite platform or do you have one you must have one (laughs) um i don't know if i have a favorite one because i'm i'm not (laughs) i'll be honest i i don't i mean i don't really look at it that way no there must be one you like to spend more time on um i don't know whatever one's working or whatever we're trying to accomplish specifically um I built my business, like I built my real estate business off of Facebook, like legitimately before. And that's like kind of an interesting story because like I was on Facebook back when it was just for 13 year old girls and like soccer moms trying to like spy on their kids. And I built my entire business off of it. And that was before it was like business pages. It was all organic. And it was um, 2013, I think. And we went from 7 million in sales in year one to 22 million plus in year two without increasing any marketing costs. It was just taking traditional sales tactics instead of instead of door knocking for hours on the weekend or cold calling. I looked at it saying, okay, I've only got a couple hours free time. If I post something on Facebook, I could reach a hundred people. If I go door knock, uh, like on the neighborhood, I might reach 10 people 
this seems like it's a better ROI for me. And if I do this consistently over time and build this brand, um, luckily Facebook did what it did and grew the way it did. But at the time it just was, it was more of a numbers game for me. Um, so I liked Facebook, but Facebook in 2013 would be unrecognizable to where it is today. Uh, mm-hmm. But something like TikTok is kind of viewed at how Facebook was viewed where, well, that's not for business. That's just for 13 year old girls who like to dance. And uh, it's just, it, once you get to the point where you don't fall in love with a platform, it's more of, well, if I was trying to reach 13 year old girls to sell a product or something, then I'd be all in on TikTok. I'm not right now, but it doesn't mean we don't like, like tracking what's going on in TikTok and understand the culture and how important it is. Um, so it, the platforms are, I mean, they're all the same. They're constantly changing and um, it's hard to really fall in love with one. And I think the second you fall in love with one, uh, you might leave yourself a little bit vulnerable. Yeah, true. I mean, you, you make a good point with that. So you kind of love them all equally, whatever's working for you best. I yeah, I'm bo- I'm, most of my answers are pretty boring like that. No, so what about, okay, so you had really great success with Facebook, right? In early days. And mm-hmm. so now people also have this fear that like, it's too late for me. So how am I going to stand out? What's my strategy now that everybody's on Facebook? So what do you tell your clients when that question comes up? I mean, to me, is, and that's like more of a motivational thing. It's like, then why even be in business, I guess? <laughs> like, why do anything? If there's, if there's already one realtor, why should there be two realtors? Right, right, uh, right. But meanwhile, there's a lot more of that. And um, I, I mean, where Facebook is now, Facebook is like the internet and they want to be what AOL was trying to be. Um, and that's not even mentioning kind of their VR footprint. So Facebook to me is almost like having a website at this point where it's just, it's a tax you pay to be in business. Um, The Facebook ad platform is better than any other ad platform I've ever seen. And um, no matter what Twitter and um, YouTube try and do, it's just like the Facebook one really has a leg up on that. Um, So if you're in a service-based business, like Facebook is pretty, um, pretty important. And then rarely would I ever say like one platform is the best one to be on. But for most businesses, um, when it comes to, to like finding out your audience avatar and who your customers are, Facebook has such a wide reach that it's usually a general good answer to say like Facebook's a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost kind of like the minimum at this point. And I, I think even though it's looked at as being really uncool and we've missed the boat on it, um, I don't think that's the case. And I think Facebook is, is going to be here for the long term. They've got a lot of really like smart, intelligent people knowing what they're doing. Um, and the other thing is like talking about your natural superpower and, and what you're best at. If you're great at writing or if you're great at photos or very creative, or you're great at videos, whatever it happens to be, all of those fit into Facebook. And that's not the same for other platforms. Whereas like Instagram is much more visual and, and not that like, not that conducive to long form writing. Whereas Twitter is much more heavily on, on short form attention grabbing text um, and less on a visual stance. Whereas Facebook is literally all of them wrapped into one. Um, So that's kind of, that's a great starting point for a lot of people to kind of experiment and find what might make most sense for them. And then to pivot that into a platform that uh, might be more specific to their tastes. I would, I would agree with that. I always tell people start on Facebook, even though I do have a favorite platform of the moment. What's uh, yours? It's Instagram, which Instagram. I hated two years ago. Interesting. <laughs> but um, it's for me, it's because of the stories on Instagram. Yeah. I love the stories. I'm not a big. Are you still on? Fan. Are you still active on Snapchat? 
you know, I just got too busy with the other platforms. And so I just had to make a decision. I'm like you, where I'm like, I'm just what I focus on expands. I'm just going to be in one place mainly. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick the one I like the best. And Mm -hmm. what I loved about Snapchat was the stories. And so when they offered that over there, um, you know, I I went over there and and I love the stories. I could Mm -hmm. do away with the feeds tomorrow. I'm okay with that. Um, So that's definitely my jam. Um, but yeah. Okay. So I wanted to ask you another question as I, I was thinking about it for, um, content here. So as somebody who, who earns a living by helping other people make content, do, are you just like all contented out? Like, you're like, I'm done. I don't want to do my content. I do find it. It is hard sometimes like my content goes on the back burner. So I'm curious as somebody who is working in the world of content like I am, I mean, what did, do you find that you still have a passion or there are some days where you're like, I really don't want to make this piece of content. Here's the biggest hack I think in content creation. And it's, if you create content around something you love, you're going to learn to love to create content. Right. And the second it starts to feel like work, mm-hmm. it, it, it's kind of like the beginning of the end. Yes. And it's happened to me. It's, it's like I did a podcast where like I was getting close to like 100 episodes and they were all interview formats. And I started getting to the point where it's like once I got to 90, it was harder to get the next 10 than it was to get the first 90. And it was like, I want to hit 100, but I kind of hit a wall. And it was mostly because it was, um, you just get kind of get distracted and it's not really about what you want to be creating. And um, if you're creating content about the stuff that you love and you go in in the position of like, oh, if I know if I put this out, this is really going to help that person it doesn't ever kind of hit that, hit that wall. Um, I'm also more willing to put out content that isn't perfect or polished. And um, sometimes to the detriment, cause like I'll have my team be like, Hey, we should have run that through or we should have like, I could have like polished it up or, or done it that way. Cause we have like the production capabilities. Um, but sometimes I, I like to purposely show that um, like, yeah, if I'm willing to put this stuff out, you should be too. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's like the biggest hack and the biggest cheat code when it comes to creating content. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you have to really enjoy what you're doing. I mean, I was doing a flash briefing for like two years. I'm like, I hate this. It only takes me five minutes a week, but I hate it. Why yeah. am I doing it? So I just- and then how, how much, how good did you feel once you, once you like pulled the plug? Yeah, I was like, yay, I'm like, I don't have to do it anymore. And so like, the point is stop doing stuff you hate, right? (laughs) There's so many other things that you can be doing. But I always wonder about like content creators and like when you're helping other people and by the time you're just like, I just don't have a capacity for any more content today. (laughs) And it's like hours sometimes gets, you know, moved to the side. Like I was supposed to create some videos for myself on Monday, it's Friday. And I just made it today because it just kept getting pushed back. Um, so I know sometimes that can happen, but, uh, speaking yeah, of- that definitely happens. Like my stuff, always, like personally, I feel like mine comes last or, yeah, yeah. or like client stuff always come first. Right. So it's, it's, it's all of our, all of our resources go towards the client stuff. And then if there's extra time, it's me putting stuff out, maybe quickly or in a hurry. So it might not look as good. Um, but usually it's, it, if it's, if it's from like a, here's a value add for some person then the production value and the quality doesn't matter as much. And, and it kind of, and and there's so many different types of content, to be honest. Like we just, I've started doing a lot more live streaming and instead of recording a podcast and then editing it, like we usually do, I just, I just did a live version of it and up to like uploaded to YouTube. 
So it took 40 minutes instead of four hours. And it was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I wonder if there's something there or if, yeah. if it's so much better to be edited that it's worth doing, we'll see. But um, I think for me, because I'm always trying it a little bit different, um, it's not really about getting stuck in a rut. It's just, okay, what are some new features that we can test out? And, and maybe this works for our clients or maybe it doesn't, but let's test this out ourselves. So um, for me, it's always, I don't know, it's always fun. Um, and the second it's not fun, then um, I, I don't know, then, then I'd have to reevaluate a lot of things. Well, I think the testing is, is key. You know, you, you, if you don't like something, try something else. If you test a different format. Um, so I think that's important to do. So, you know, I know you have a ton of clients and I, this is probably going to be a really wide open generic question, but um, what do you, would you say is sort of working for your clients? I know they all have different strategies, um, but what do you kind of see? Is there like a theme that like when you and your clients are doing this, it seems to work fairly well for them? Like the, the biggest thing that always works for our clients is like the first thing we usually do for people that haven't started content marketing is we'll do a brand trailer video and it's basically like your about me video or it's like your about me website or webpage in a video form and it's who you are, what you do and then why you do it and, and it's showing people who you are mm -hmm. and what always happens and literally always is we'll post that video for clients and the amount of people that reach out to that person said, Hey, I had no idea you were doing this. And they get so upset and they're like, how did he not know not my know. business? Right. And you assume that everyone knows everything about you, but really they don't. It's noisy, it's messy and it's confusing out there. And when people can see visually what you are doing, it connects with them. And then the story about why you do it sticks with them. And then it drives people crazy. It's like, I, I go back to real estate a lot because it's like a lot of people I'm connected with in the real estate, but the amount of times that they will put a video out like that and then have someone call and be like, Hey, I'm, I, I saw your video. It's so cool. I wish I had known because I just bought a house with so-and-so and they're always killing themselves that they missed out on that deal that yeah. they thought was in their database or in their own network. And it really comes down to like, just because you're mailing postcards to people for that touch campaign or those e-newsletters, there's something really powerful about showing people what you do and, and seeing the visual, your face and your actions and you're doing it and showing you care that that resonates and sticks with people a lot more effectively than other forms of content. Um, and I think that's something that's kind of across the board in any industry has been really effective for people. And, and I'm one of them. I, I love writing and I was writing all the time and I was writing for my real estate business. I was writing for market watch. I was, I was the Phoenix market watch, um, blog writer or whatever it was at the time. And it was doing so much writing and I did about two or three videos and I started getting recognized on the street. And it was like, oh, video is different than everything else. Like 60 seconds watching someone on video is like worth like thousands of blog posts. You just get to know someone so much quicker. You're not, you're not reading it in your voice. You're seeing it in their voice. Um, and whether they like you or don't like you, they at least come to that conclusion faster. Um, and, and it's just such an effective form. So videos kind of changed the game. And I think that's why a lot of those platforms are succeeding so much more, more effectively. Yeah. So in regards to the video and the storytelling, what it, what it sounds like to me is, you know, you're really kind of positioning them, you know, as the human being first and who they are and their why and their passion to kind of connect with the storytelling. So um, another question about content, because I'm asked this all the time is, well, I, should I make educational content and it's like boring and I post it on YouTube and it's like a how to read your 
title report or something like that. Um, are, are you finding that um, the more success, and I'm finding this, now I know there's definitely a place for educational content, but I'm finding like leading sort of with that human content um, it seems to be what, what brings people in and connects them. Well, this is awesome. I love this question. So creating a video that says how to read your title report. So no, no, let's talk about that yeah. one specifically. So <laughs> who, who's going, who would go to Google right now to search how to read your title report? <laughs> I, I'm not thinking of very many people that I no, but right like now, if, but if, if I was need, doing if that they needed I, help like at the time they've got this intent like oh my gosh I need to go and figure out what this is but they're 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 not stumbling across that there's so no but that's what I mean I, I like creating content that people are searching for the problem yeah. is, is the person that's searching for that is probably already in the real estate process right so and they're why would you not searching for it on Facebook to be honest exactly so like why would you want to spend time and energy to make a boring video you don't even want to make about something to help someone who's probably already working with a realtor? And I use this as an example because you default to trying to create how-to videos to show you're an expert in an area. The problem is no one cares about the real estate process until they're already in it. And by the time they're in it, they're already working with someone. So you need to capture them before they're working with someone. So that's creating content that has nothing to do with that process usually. It's okay, show you're an expert, do a lot of those things, uh, but those might be more valuable videos to send to current clients. Um, the, client, the stuff that I think helps is, A, you can be a content creator and a business professional and create content that has nothing to do with your business. It's yes. really about creating a community and, and building a network. And if you're a realtor, you need to connect with people that live within what, like 30 miles of you. And how can you separate yourself from the competition? And a lot of it's like creating value that has nothing to do with buying or selling a house because a lot of times it feels like sales. Um, you could start a motorcycle club if you love motorcycles and become the number one motorcycle realtor in the area. And if you do it the right way, you could have a motorcycle podcast and a best trails and start a, a vlog and a YouTube channel about the best places to go and meet up with people. And literally everyone that buys a motorcycle in the next like 10 years is going to stumble across your stuff. And if you're teaching them motorcycle tricks, they're going to probably want to use you to buy their next house or sell their next house. And that's nothing to do with real estate. And yeah. I think, then, then content becomes really, really fun. There's someone I know, and it's so funny because I've never met them, but we <laughs> on Instagram and her username is the baking realtor and she bakes all the time. And like, she's got a new recipe and da, da, da. And it's so funny because like, I know she's a realtor, but her passion is baking and she makes content about real estate, but really the baking part. And so I'd remember her for that. Obviously I do, and I've never been better. <laughs> no, and I think they're super, super powerful because if you really love baking, like mm -hmm. you might not get the motorcycle people, but you're probably gonna get all of the baking people. And mm -hmm. if that's the case, you're gonna find clients that you want to work with, that you love working with because you have so much in common. And it's not just about them, but it's about who they know. And everyone knows someone that buys or sells a house seven times every year or something. And you can build a network with just a hundred people that would change most people's real estate business. And you could do that without ever having to make a video of here's how to understand your title report. Right. Um, and, and I think that's just a, a, a really important thing for people to consider because that person who's the baking realtor probably loves baking. And for her, creating content is really easy and super fun and doesn't feel like work. And that's, I think that's awesome example. And I think that's just kind of like the tip of the iceberg. 
I love that. Okay, so we're going to shift gears because you've, you've written, you know, books before. You said you were a prolific Written writer. one book and I'm writing my next one, yes. Yeah, I, I, your first book was Facebook, right? You it was, yeah. Yeah, see, I'm a fan. I was in the um, middle, when I was doing it, I was like, okay, this is working. I want to learn everything I can about Facebook, so I'm going to write a book on it, force yeah. myself to learn. And then halfway through the book, I was like, oh my gosh, Facebook is doing some things. So then I started <laughs> buying a bunch of Facebook stock. So full disclosure, like I've, I've benefited greatly from uh, the, yeah. the things that Facebook's done, both good and bad. Same. I'm a, I own stock in Facebook too. And yeah, absolutely. So, um, but you are, are writing the second book and it, it's, a, it's different. It's a departure in some ways from what, you know, we're talking about, you know, just specifically social media and marketing. And I love what you're doing and tell us the quick backstory about you kind of shifted a little bit when we're in this pandemic and I love where you went with it and, and talk about the theme of what you're going to be doing. Yeah. So when we were originally putting it together, it was because we we're just in a different world when we started and the world was full employment and a lot of business owners and a lot of people like in a, in a position where like I would work with um, people that ran a business and maybe had like five employees and um, were trying to just do more, but, but didn't really need to because the economy was just doing really well for a really long time. And it was for the people who didn't know where to start on social media, which ones I should be on, but um, my other stuff is still working, so I'm not that motivated. So it was really about how to separate yourself from the crowd, find your niche, own your niche, and grow it. Um, when this first stuff started hitting and I was kind of seeing like, man, they're going to shut down the economy. People are going to start losing jobs and, and that's going to trigger a lot of these other things. And we've had such a good market for a good amount of time that it's going to pull back. And I've got this fear that there's a lot of people who've been stuck in the faking it till you make it, but the faking it part and still haven't made it. And um, there's going to be a lot of anxieties and fears and um, this Instagram and the culture and everything's going to kind of hit at once. Plus we're going to have a lot of people unemployed. And what will happen is there's a lot of skilled and talented professionals who are going to lose out on their jobs and think that they're stuck behind the young people who know social media better than them. And I wanted to pivot this book and pivot this mentality and kind of double down on the fact that if you've been successful in business and you've gotten fired or laid off or furloughed or whatever it is, and you need income and you need a side hustle or whatever it happens to be, it's actually easier to learn the digital stuff and harder to learn the business acumen you've acquired over the last 20 years. And once you can own that and feel comfortable with that, stop feeling confused and overwhelmed with all of these different platforms um, and really find your niche, own your niche, and then expand on it and narrow your focus and grow your reach. And that kind of comes down to if you've got a skill set and whether or not you're trying to find another job or start a business or sell something online, this will outline exactly how to start and, and where to start and what to focus on. And the big thing is to try to like, there's a lot of people that always make their industry sound a lot harder and more confusing than it needs to be. And I hate that. And I want to make it as easy as possible to understand and, and just say, hey, when when TV was first invented, the first commercials were people on a radio station just reading their, their radio uh, commercial. People didn't know what to do with television. So it was just like, let's just put a camera in the radio studio and that's a commercial. So that's what happens now. It's like, oh, well, like Facebook is here. Let's just take the, the Ford truck Super Bowl commercial and put it up on Facebook. It doesn't go viral. And then it's just like, oh, well, Facebook doesn't work. And it's like, well, no, create Facebook content just like you'd create visual content on a visual platform and audio on an audio platform. So something like 
uh, TikTok comes to be and it's like, well, I don't know how to use TikTok. That will be impossible. Well, what is TikTok really? Like TikTok is just a visual platform that basically similar to things that have already existed. Um, So if it falls into a couple different categories, it stops being super confusing and starts to say, okay, well, if I'm someone who likes to create visual content, here are all the visual content platforms I could be on. If I'm searching for a certain demographic, well, then a visual area that reaches this demographic would fall into this category. And all of a sudden it starts to be way less overwhelming and a lot more, oh, here's my plan and now I'm gonna work towards it. And if there's a new platform 10 years from now, it'll fall into one of the same categories just like they always do. Um, So it's really about giving people People, the tools to take kind of control of this whole thing. They don't need to hire someone out. They don't need to uh, feel overwhelmed. And, or if they do want to hire someone, well, now they'll know the right questions to ask, or they'll know whether or not they're being lied to. And um, I'm not saying that people out there are lying. It's just, I know that in a lot of these cases, people look down on social media and do it in a way where, well, I hired my niece. She handles that all for me. Well, what does your niece know about business? Like, does she know as much as you about business? Um, So how is she going to market your business if she doesn't understand your thing and you don't understand hers and never does that scenario work out for both parties involved? Usually ends kind of messy. So you need to be kind of a little bit more open to understanding that this is the future of your business. Don't feel overwhelmed. Don't feel intimidated, but understand that like, for that young person, that 20 something who knows how to do TikTok really well, they would kill to have your business acumen. And either you can partner with them or you can go work for them or you can learn what they're doing and, and make it work for you. Well, and, and two, I mean, your, your point is 100% right. I, I mean, I know how many times a day I hear, oh, my 16 year old daughter is gonna, she's great. She's gonna help me with Instagram. And to your point, I mean, even though you are a expert who helps companies, you're using them still in their brand. You can't totally outsource your business or brand. You can have really amazing partners, which I'm so excited you're gonna empower them with the right knowledge to be asking because we all know there, there's companies out there that say they do a lot of things and have a lot of stats and numbers and analytics and you know people don't understand those or if they're even relevant. So I'm excited about that. When is the book gonna come out? I mean, I can't wait to promote it. So when well, do you accept it? I mean, we're living in a world where we don't even know what next week is going to look like. Um, So like we're doing our best. The hard stuff's over with. So they've told, they've told me that we should have a launch by October. Um, So I'm doing everything I can to get before that. So I'm shooting for like a late August, September. So that's amazing. uh, I'm so excited. I'm like the audible and all that too going big on this one. I mean, the, like, I'm, I don't know, I'm putting like a lot of energy into this and I mean, it's it like, it's impacted everything else. Like it's, it's led to less content going out because everything's going into this. Um, and it's not like I'm keeping things behind like a paywall. It's more of, I really want this to stand the test of time. Um, in a sense where like, it's not just about capitalizing on this weird moment, but more of like, it's not the tactics that will make you successful. Tactics last for 30, 60, 90 days and then they're copied and they don't work anymore. Um, but the certain kind of the, the systems will always work. Branding works, and marketing consistently changes. Um, so how do, you, how do you combine your brand and your marketing and, and stay ahead of the game? And, and really it's just to lean into your strengths um, and do the things that you're great at. And, and I think like touching back on the person who just wants their 16 year old daughter to all their social media, is you're coming from a position of 
of thinking that only those people are on that platform. So you need someone like that to handle it. But if your customers are 40 something year olds, 40 something year olds are on Instagram, not looking for 16 year old content. They're looking for 40 year old content. And a 16 year old can't be a 40 year old on Instagram. And, and just kind of understanding that it's not really about um, outsourcing it because they're better at it. It's more about why are you really outsourcing it? Because you don't want to learn something new? Well, like, I'm sorry, we're living in a world that's really scary right now. A lot of people are going to have to learn new things. Um, but this thing doesn't have to be hard. It's something that's easily learnable. Hey, if I have to learn new math where we don't carry the one, I mean, anybody can learn anything. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> that's the one thing I definitely learned during this pandemic. Well, I am so excited. Thank you for dropping such amazing wisdom and genius um, today. I will absolutely have you back when your book comes out because I'm even more excited hearing you talk about it. And I know you kind of have to keep it a little bit hush hush until it's ready to come out. So um, again, just tell everybody where they can find you. What's the best place that they want to reach out to you so that they can connect with you after the podcast today? Um, I would say the best place, I mean, I'm on, I'm on social media. So if you have a favorite platform, you can find me there. Um, the other thing would be go to the website and sign up for my digital digest. I'm, I've revamped this. Like we talked a little bit about um, creating content that wasn't fun for you. My newsletter started to become that. So I, I basically stopped doing a newsletter for two months and just revamped it completely. And it combines basically all of the stuff that I do on a weekly basis into one spot. Awesome. So we're sharing like the top headlines in the digital world and social media, um, top recommendations, content that we're either giving to our clients or using for our own um, consistent updates and then a lot of exclusive events and stuff. So it's really like if you're trying to stay in, in front of these things and kind of see the trends before they're occurring, uh, I highly recommend signing up for this. And that's everything, everything else comes from that, like podcast links and, and all the interviews we're doing. And uh, we just launched a really fun um daily, uh, our week daily show to help your business and brand grow called the second cup. So it's a live stream at noon, uh, that we're just using to kind of capitalize on some of this, this new world where everyone's stuck at home, um, on a webcam. So let's get together, have a cup of coffee and, and talk about what's going on in the business and social media worlds. I love that. Well, I'll make sure that, um, when you send me the link for the digital digest, it'll be in the show notes so that everybody can awesome. download that and sign up for it. Thank you again so much for joining us. I'm excited to have you back, uh, as a best selling author, of course, I'm already putting it out there. So I'm so excited for you and, uh, thanks for being with us. Thank you so much, Chelsea. I appreciate you. All right. We'll see everybody next time. Bye.